how many ETFs have BlackRock previously had approved? It's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, be hundreds, wouldn't it? Like two hundred. Correct. You a bit bit higher. Two fifty. More. Three hundred. More. Uh, what? Three fifty. Okay, so they've got like a Floyd Mayweather record when it comes to ETFs and ETF approvals. Five hundred. Five hundred and seventy-five approvals when going for an ETF. And how many rejections did you have that? One. Oh my god! We are in progress. This is your weekly 4Bs podcast that you have tuned into once again. Yes, brought to you by Mr. Orlin, a.k.a. the Trillion Dollar Man, Sir Neverlook, a.k.a. Yes, the Excellence of Execution, Dr. Evil, a.k.a. the People's Champ, and surprise, surprise, she's here, but she's not here, Mrs. No Show. This is Pod 102, the 4Bs. What's going on, boys? Man, I've just realised, actually, I was looking at the last two pods, right? We had Pod 100, Mm -hmm. and then Pod 101. The thumbnail is predicting 100k. So, I think we did it. I think we were, we we all thought the ETF was the catalyst to 100k. It actually wasn't. Our pod 100 was the real catalyst. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so I was just thinking I need some arbitrary comment about Miss No Show, but I've just lost lost desire to say anything now. No, that's, yeah. that's so like pod 50. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've, we've. I thought it was a big milestone, but now it's just BAU, isn't it? It's just another number. Last week we were in the doldrums, and then bam, we put out the pod increase in, in Bitcoin. <laughs> well, what do what do you do when you win? Yeah, you 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 have a, you celebrate a little bit, and then two days later you start training, win the title again. Get back to your road work. That's it. So yeah, it's been um, it's been it's been a bit of a weird week, I think, in Bitcoin, where there's this it's this this whole ETF thing that seems to be taking over. It's all the buzz and all the noise. Everyone's getting very. How sick. long does it take to get through? Because I think that's it, what I've missed is what is the timelines. It typically okay. takes about two years, but oh. And, and usually, uh, the, obviously, we've got a load of stories here about all these different companies that are uh, submitting ETFs. This isn't new, right? This has been the case since, Jesus, when I got into Bitcoin, right, there was a, it was the Winklevoss twins at Gemini had filed an ETF and everyone thought it was going to get approved. And it was, this is back in 2016, I think. And I've got they, some stats on this. And they'd submitted it. They'd submitted it two years before. And essentially, what happens with a ETF is they can reject it, or but essentially you're allowed to reapply, and it and essentially at three rejections, it's then dead. And I think there's there's about six months in between the, the rejections or three months, something like that. And this whole process takes it can it can be passed as soon as a year if they pass you at the first checkpoint. 
But usually what happens, and nearly for all ETFs, according to people that know their stuff about all this, is that they tend to knock back an ETF application on the first go just to buy themselves time and get them to really ratify their application. And they'll just pick holes in it for the sake of picking holes in it, just so that the company then make it even better. And at the second time, they sometimes say yes, and usually they just say yes on the third one. So that's what everyone thought was happening with Gemini. And they'd been rejected twice, but it was weak rejections. And then so they they thought everyone, oh, that for the third one, they always say no the first two, just to buy themselves more time to actually look at what the ETF is. They didn't get approved. And then since then, there's been ETF applications all the time. And they all get rejected. All three possible um, results, three rejections in a row every time. And at the end of that, you get thrown back in the bin and you're not allowed to resubmit an ETF for quite a while. You have to have material change to the product up to be able to reapply. So if it's a Bitcoin ETF, it's quite hard to change that product. It's still a Bitcoin ETF. There's a company, you basically can apply once. And then if you get rejected, you're kind of dead unless someone else gets approved. And then suddenly you can go, well, you approve them. Ours is the same product, approve us. So the only reason this is news is because BlackRock applied and BlackRock aren't likely to be wasting their time. Who knows? It could be a massive fucking red herring. But BlackRock going for it, who obviously, as we've described like last week, one of the biggest companies in the world, I know not on paper, but their influence is absolutely ginormous, literally, you know, all the eight, nine trillion of assets under management, which, you know, who knows how much they actually own of that themselves, but, you know, 10% of most companies on, on the stock market, board seats on most of those companies, they have huge influence. So for them to put a new product available to that nine trillion worth of assets under management, to throw a new product into that space would could be huge for Bitcoin for the amount of interest it would get. It's the only reason we're talking about it. So obviously everyone else now, everyone that's got an ETF currently filed is just going along with BlackRock. So you know we've got Invesco, Valkyrie, Wisdom Tree, Bitwise, all have now submitted ETFs as well. This is nothing new. This has been happening for the last, what is it, seven years? The only reason these guys are getting any press at all is because I guess they're just following the the tide that is BlackRock and they're hoping BlackRock get approved in front of them and suddenly their product will likely match one-to-one with it and so they hope they get they get approved as well. But, I was going to say, is a, is a busy one as well. of execution. Uh, I've got some stats for you guys, actually. Um, so so um, how many ETFs have BlackRock previously had approved? Oh. Jesus. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, what do you say? It'd be hundreds, wouldn't it? Like 200. Correct. you a bit, bit higher? 250. More. 300. More. Uh, what? 350. Okay, so they've got like a Floyd Mayweather record when it comes to ETFs and ETF approvals. Really? 575 approvals when going for an ETF. And how many rejections did you have that? One. Oh my and when, God. And when that rejection was rejected, they then resubmitted it for it to then be 
ad admitted later on down the line. What was the rejection? I don't know, is the honest answer. I'll have to have a look into it in terms of the rejection. Well, there we go. Yeah. That's, that's the whole, like, don't trust verify, right? So I, I had a feeling they didn't get rejected. They they yeah. when 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 they throw a punch, it lands right. There you right. go. There's this five hundred seventy one yeah. to one. Like, and, and the reason I liken it to a Mayweather record as well, because for for listeners, I'm a big boxing and UFC fan, but Floyd Mayweather is known to have never actually been technically knocked down to the ground and taken a standing eight count. Now he took an eight. He took a bit of a, a breather himself. But it was never through a knockdown, and so uh, so yeah. This is they when they shoot and they hit, they don't miss. Yeah, that that's why everyone's so bullish about this, right? Because it's and unless they are literally just doing this to embarrass Bitcoin and go, look, we get every ETF through, but we can't get a Bitcoin ETF through. That's the end of the Bitcoin ETFs. That could be their play. There's but more. Um, it is. It is more. After speed reading it, it was an ETF which didn't have any transparency. So Correct. it sounds like a closed mutual fund kind of thing, but an ETF. And that was the next part. So within order to get it through, what they'll need is transparency and the ability to allow the SEC to see both ways apparently so um so they can see who has specifically applied for the etf now this if you then think and read through the lines is essentially one of those where if you do so we can understand market manipulation and also tax avoidance as well so in a way the sec will win they'll be able to see what's going on and of course, maybe claim more funds off the back of this, which is brilliant for them. Equally off the back of it, um, BlackRock will, with an ETF, you actually then sometimes have to put the collateral up as well. So they'll actually then own Bitcoin themselves. And as we've known before, this could be the play for them to be one of the largest owners of Bitcoin through their ETF offering as well. And that's how they get the jump on everything. Because if we know, and from what we know, you know, BlackRock owned 33% of the, um, the FTSE 500, and then they also own about 10% of everything as well. So it's it's classic. How can you own 10% very quickly of 21 million? You go in and get something big like an ETF. Yeah, kind of terrifying. Because they could. Then they, they wouldn't technically own it, but they would be managing it. Yeah, controlling it. Just yeah. And ownership is nine tenths of the law, right? Or possession's nine tenths of the law. Yeah. And they have possession. Yeah. And get two point one million coins. Mm. Yeah, that they, yeah, it'd be unlikely, but <laughs> they already own been... MicroStrategy. It's interesting, actually. It's a book that I've been putting off for a while, but um, I got through it quickly and not necessarily listened to it properly, and then I've re-listened to it again uh, as I was coming back home today. And it's uh, The Internet of Money by uh, 
Antonio Antopanopoulos. And uh, in Bitcoin terms, to your uh, to your point, nine tenths of the law in terms of possession. But if you've got the keys in Bitcoin terms, it's ten tenths possession. So as soon as they possess it, that's it. We don't necessarily have to give it back. All right. Well, that's why, like, yeah, just giving them possession in the first place. Mm. Didn't we see something about the T's and C's about um, forks? So it was something along the lines that they get to state what fork, so they could fork it to BlackRock Bitcoin and therefore say, you know, all all to the ETF holders, you own BlackRock Bitcoin, you don't hold Bitcoin, they just shuffle the Bitcoin over to the right. Yeah, you don't want that dirty BTC. You've got Mm. BlackRock Bitcoin, that's worth way more. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the advantage of that for us is we end up with this shitty BlackRock um, Bitcoin and we can sell it, buy more Bitcoin. Yeah, we could, yeah. And 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 the, the downside would be that millions of people get scammed by BlackRock. Correct, correct. Exactly. But, you know, it's kind of the, yeah, anyone that understands Bitcoin knows don't buy it through the ETF, right? But mm. the thing is, we, we know they will. That's well, this is it. This is bullish. It's it's sad, but it is bullish because people will buy this ETF. But you're only going to get that kind of like wider acceptance through things like this. You know, like my dad won't buy Bitcoin, but when BlackRock start start endorsing and say, "Here, have a little ETF," he'll go, "Sure, why not BlackRock?" And maybe he'll pick up a couple of things about why Bitcoin's a thing. You know, that's a kind of idea. Like, okay, we get. Always people who go into Bitcoin who hadn't touched it before, and some of them maybe learn something, and then maybe they um, go across to actual Bitcoin rather than an ETF. Um, it is, however, the second ETF to be filed. Actually, tell a lie. Right. So, again, listening to another pod, so there have been 33 rejections in terms of ETFs, uh, Bitcoin-related ETFs to date. Um, But the one that is them Have any of them been through big companies? Pass, I don't know. Maybe that's for one to maybe quickly Google and come back to everyone on the pod on that. But the one that's still going through at the moment is ARP and 21 shares and our favourite lady in Bitcoin, I think word I word word. So um so they are so they didn't get turned down in the first revision of the uh of the application. So it could still be approved, but yet to be approved. Oh so Wisdom Tree have had a failed ETF before. So that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting well, because I used to follow it really closely, all these ETFs, waiting for one to get approved. And the 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 the, the clients have nearly all been the same, which have just been there's money laundering, the <laughs> market's manipulated, uh, and you need to prove that the market that you're exposing investors to isn't manipulated and fraud doesn't occur on it. And you just go, 
the fuck are you even talking about? You know, that mm. isn't like, you know, the, the amount of fraud that happens on Bitcoin is less that happens in fear. You know, price manipulation, show me a stock or an ETF that isn't manipulated in some shape or form. You know, it, it, all, it all occurs. But Bitcoin, yeah, is, does manipulation happen? Well, yeah, a low price, people are pumping and dumping it. Yeah, fine. But by and large, number goes up, right? I actually saw a stat the other day where if you DCA'd in, I think it doesn't matter when you start DCAing, uh, every single DCA is now in profit. There's not mm. a single person that isn't. If you just, just picked an amount and stuck to it, because the price has been down like so low and then it started climbing again, it almost doesn't matter when you DCA'd, started like it was a month ago or six years ago or two years ago, provided you DCA'd all the way through that period at the same amount, you're now in profit. Right, so... You go, okay, let's just assume that manipulation does occur. Like what why do you care? Is because there's a couple of individuals that are pumping and dumping it and wrecking retail. And you don't want to let retail in just to get wrecked. Well, hold on. This asset has been around for 14 years now. And no matter when you start a DCAing, you're in profit. So whoever's manipulating this market isn't very clever, is are they really? Because every single pleb and retailer or retail investor that DCA is now up. So how can that be the case? That clearly is a sign that this is a growing asset with more and more participants, which is why every single person that DCA is up. Uh, so the the rejections have been, they've literally been copied and pasted from, from 2016 when the Gemini one with the Winklevoss twins, they got rejected. I think I followed the next like six the rejections were all the same. I had to stop paying attention. And it was just, and the rejections were just impossible to get by because they were just going, you need to verify and guarantee us that the Bitcoin network has no fraud on it and, and there's no manipulation to the market. You go, these are unprovable things. You, know, you, you prove to me that gold isn't manipulated and that gold doesn't isn't used for fraud or money laundering somewhere. Now, everyone knows it is. But gold has a million ETFs. Mm. So you just go, this is basically they're using rejections here, which just mean once they decide Bitcoin's okay, they will let it in. But because the rejection didn't hold any water, there was nothing specific to Bitcoin that you could go, oh, they don't understand the technology. They're, they're saying it's too new. They're saying it's a blockchain. You know, I wouldn't mind if they came back and went, it's a scam. It's a hype cycle. It's a fad. Go away. Yeah. At least that would be... I like so the tulips. Potentially being honest. Yeah, it's tulips. Yeah. At least I love tulips be... because it, it's been about four times it's said this. It's like you do realize that tulips didn't come back four times. Yeah. Yeah. We're like the Undertaker at this point. <laughs> so, we, so, yeah, who knows, eh? So, but we, we have got quite a bit to wait, which is why, this is why I said like last week, that it almost doesn't matter whether the BlackRock ETF gets accepted or not. I think it probably will. But as we get closer to the decision, like the first decision, which will probably almost mm. be definitely be a reject, unless it's Magic BlackRock and they get approved at the first one, they normally just go more info and then you submit, resubmit three months later, resubmit three months later. Uh, um, it doesn't matter. As we get to that, everyone's going to be so bullish going, do you want to get in before $9 trillion worth of pension money comes in? Exactly. Everyone's going to go, fuck yeah, 
Like we're, we're at fucking 200k by then. And then the, re- yeah, the so- reject the reject comes in and it's like, oh, welcome three years bear market from now on. So we got and less. This is, and this is also, I guess, one of those cases where the general public will come in afterwards. And you can see it already, can't you? Because it's such a big company will go in, the price will rise, and then everyone will be like, oh, okay, now I should invest into Bitcoin. And BlackRock have got in at a time when the price was super low in comparison to what it will go to. I was going to say something, but in my state of tiredness, I completely forgot what my point was. So I'll completely <laughs> ignore it. Should we move on to the next one? Let's do it. So this one, it's Inflation Weekly. It's about Norway. It's um, it's a bit of a strange one. It's gone under the radar. I mean, there's obviously been nothing major about this. And it's someone who's pointed it out online, a fellow Bitcoiner. And it's just, it has been completely under the radar. But as they've pointed out, the average inflation per year, God, how many years was it for, is 6.9%. So over 20 years, that's fourfold uh, the monetary supply. Um, and what is it? Every 10 years, it halves the value of your money. Mm. So um, they've got this big, long post. So it's Runa Ostergaard, something along those lines. Um, so, oh, in 20 years, 2002 to 2022, they've had an average of 69 so that's why it's um, your money's now worth a quarter of what it was. So we've talked about this on numerous different pods where usually it's every 15 to 20 years for most westernized countries. So um, your money halves often. And some of the stats which we've thrown in here is if you earned 50K um, to maintain your salary or your purchasing power, you'd need to earn 97K in 10 years time. So once again, 10 years after that, you'd have to earn, was it 194,000 in order to keep up your purchasing power, which is ridiculous. I mean, you're just never going to get that level of increase unless you change careers or you're going to something very, very lucrative. So you have a stats in here. In 2023, the krona has been outperformed by the Turkish lira and the Somali shilling. So two of the powerhouses of the world. It's not surprising, is it? Or maybe it is a little bit. And I think one of the best things which I pointed out as a good example to these Keynesians is if Volkswagen absolutely flooded the market with cars, the price would be driven down, wouldn't it? Because you'd mm. have a wealth of cars. They'd be going, oh, we've got you know millions of Volkswagens for sale in the UK. And not everyone wants to buy it, so it drives down the price until literally they're giving them away, you know, for cost. When everyone goes, oh, fuck it, I'll buy a Volkswagen instead. So that's probably the best way of looking at for the Keynesian who's who either choose not to understand it or don't understand it. And the final point which I'll go with is I was looking into, well, who rules Norway? And what's the tax rate? It's Conservatives. So... From 2021, it's been the Conservatives. Then from 2013 to 2021, it was a coalition led by the Conservatives. So it's not a typical Conservative trait to 
inflate you you'd associate it more with the left wing you know kind of like labor in the uk or the democrats in in america but ultimately every government does it so it's kind of like my point was just pointing out that it isn't a left wing right wing here every government's in 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 there um pilfering taking everyone's wealth um but yeah that's a quick rundown of the story what do you two think yeah the norway inflation i mean it's already it was always a country which was an expensive country right regardless of the inflation and i think that's because they import a lot of things in if i'm right apart from their inflation which are trying to export but failing yeah um I think it's just a case of what we we've seen a lot of is that in this day and age, the information is out there and people are happy to not only decipher the information, but then share the information with the masses. And then the masses call this type of hypocrisy out as well. It's just unfortunate that it's just not picked up wide wider and more mainstream for others to then be able to be like yeah let's do something about it which is a shame because I, I think the, i think the post is good because it, it just describes you know how bad the inflation is in norway and if the scandinavian countries typically they, they are quite stable and you know on the the happiness in the index and, and all that kind of stuff. Scandinavia tends to be mm. the place where people are happy and stuff, but but yeah, but the, the average increase of 6.9% over the last 10 years of inflation is is kind of crazy, right? You know, we've been told that inflation is two to three percent. Well, and over the the last couple of years, oh, it's just macro. Don't 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 worry. It's it's locked down. It's it's, it's greedy down. corporations. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the next story. Yeah. Um, then, another another on. story which this person's commented on is minimum wage nineteen seventy versus minimum wage two thousand twenty three in Norway. How long in nineteen seventy would it take someone to save a house if they saved every penny and didn't get taxed? How many years do you reckon in nineteen seventy to buy a house? About uh, well, 20 years, 10, 15. 3.1 years. How many years in 2023? 40. It's mm. not as bad as I thought it would be. 13.4 years. What? Oh, without being taxed. Yeah, no tax, no spending. So it's literally like you throwing oh, every no, penny. Oh, no tax, no spending. Right, right, right. So re- reality, like I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's about right. Yeah, because the average salary is 30 grand and the average house price is about 320. So 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The math checks out. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a difference there. So it's kind of going, oh, things, you know, things were hard for me to buy a house. I didn't go out all the time. I didn't buy Starbucks every day. Well, you cut your. Um, currency wasn't as debased as it was today so it's just a little stat to throw in to kind of put in I think 
I mean, in order to kind of like um, resolve this, it sounds like they need a CBDC in place, don't they? <laughs> with so, with some UBI thrown in. I think it doesn't, it works, doesn't it? It just works better. Like the, <laughs> the higher prices just feel better because it's on the blockchain. And if you UBI yeah. it, you can helicopter some um, cash drops in, can't you? Yeah, if you can't afford something, then the government just give you the money anyway. <laughs> nothing <laughs> could go wrong with that model but it, it it is a funny one because we've all Norway's has not been on anyone's radar and this just looks like the first step towards someone like Argentina they haven't really got any major exports apart from probably tin fish um, so it's like how are they going to come out of this or are they just going to keep on printing and printing till they end up um, you know debasing their salary up to hyperinflation levels and we have to change currency like Argentina is that really the only way out from because you know unless they hide it behind a CBC and control companies so they can't charge too much but then again at that rate I just don't think it's sustainable I think it's literally the currency goes doesn't it they can't pay their debts I mean, I don't, I don't know of any stories of countries getting out of it apart from, say, like Germany, when they, um, I think they cut back and just started actually creating an industry. No, the, well, the only way to get out of it is to go and invade another country and just steal their resources and allow allow you just to give stuff to your people because you stole it from somewhere else. But as we're seeing with America, is pillaging other countries for their resources they're running out of countries so Funny enough i had a conversation with <laughs> another dad who's american um tonight and he's just talking about the absolute state which america was in and um he said you know if we weren't the reserve currency of the world we'd be absolutely stuffed and i think this is norway aren't but somehow norway think that they are and they are stuffed now aren't they they're on the slippery slope and I just don't think there's any way for them to get out. They're not a big country in population. They're not a powerhouse of industry. They don't have a big army. They certainly no, they don't have a reserve currency. So what do they but do? They do have natural resources, right? I yeah. don't know, but yeah, they, they certainly do. don't do anything about it because um, ESG. Yeah, well, that's, that's the funny thing. They actually do have a lot of coal and oil, America. Yeah. Well, well Norway, it. we're talking about. Oh, sorry, Norway. Well, in Norway, have um, oil, natural gas, iron ore, copper, lead, zinc, titanium, pyrites, nickel, fish, timber, and hydropower. So, whilst they are inflating their own monetary supply, they have a lot to give. But to your point, in the fact that they don't have an army to kind of bat all of this away if they were to be taken over they are seen as i guess quite an attractive resource to a What's uh, does a it so, does it sound like they need to have freedom <laughs> <laughs> can you hear yeah. that <laughs> um the stars and stripes yeah exactly really, i'm from the background i just don't <laughs> think they've got the level of of resource in order to get out of it. Like we're saying they're attractive, but they're not Saudi Arabia rich yeah. in natural resources. So they can't just 
um, drill for oil and get out of this mess. I think they generally are stuffed unless we go on some of the financial system. And mm. I think, you know, there's going to be a few co- countries like this. From what I've read, Canada's in a relatively similar state to them. So I expect that, you know, they'll be on the slippery slope and ultimately the UK are. There's no hiding that. But the US are always going to be held in place because, well, they're pinned to oil. They're a reserve currency and they have, they have the biggest army. Mm. And I think they pre- painted um, pride flags on their bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so when they're giving some freedom, it can be um, in support of pride. <laughs> um, so really good article. Um, anyone's listening, um, have a good read of it. Um, it's had 1.9 million views. So a lot of people are getting a lot of information from this, which is good. Um, but yeah. I think um, we've got a bit of a double, double header of inflation this week, haven't we? So before before we go on to that, by the way, um, and I think I forgot who mentioned it in terms of Bitcoin being dead. According to the classic website, ninety nine bitcoins dot com stroke Bitcoin obituaries, at this moment in time, of all time since the inception of Bitcoin, Bitcoin has died four hundred and seventy four times. I mean, how many? How do you count that? Is it just, um, is it just weeks which it's been declared, or do you, do do you do it per publication? Because if it's per publication, it must be up to millions now. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's significant publications, um, but the last publication on this one, uh, on this website, and its most recent death was uh, "Crypto is Dead." In America, April 2023, when the price was at $27,817.50. Like I said, um, it's like, it's like so the, yeah. it's the Undertaker, isn't it? Just keeps exactly on getting that. up. Just keeps on getting up. Oh. So Whilst well, the Undertaker is a, a person that keeps on getting up, there's a um, just before I was watching as I was on again on my way back, the classic, classic uh, match between the Undertaker and mankind. Mankind <laughs> kept on getting up from <laughs> the hell in the cell match. How, how does that how's that match end? Mankind and Undertaker. Um Oh, well, the way it ends is so first he throws him off from the top of the hell in the cell. Then he throws him through the top of the hell in the cell down to the um, down to the ring from the top of the hell in the cell. After uh, mankind gets loads of tacks out, so uh, drawing pins, what we would call drawing pins out. And he uh, and he choke slams him through the drawing pins, and then he uh, gives him a um, a tombstone through the drawing pins, and then it finally ends. <laughs> Must have taken about four hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one as they say, one badass sob, one tough sob, just so- like Bitcoin. Well, yeah, take us back to Bitcoin. (laughs) Before this little video which we got, have either of you heard of Peter St. Onge? Is that how you say his name? Have you heard of him before? 
I never heard of him before. I came across him a couple of weeks ago on what Bitcoin did. So he did an interview with um, Pedro. So I know that Mr. Orlin loves Pedro. But Mm -hmm. I found it it quite a good one. I don't mind listening to what Bitcoin did. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> that, you, clearly, that's going to get cut out. <laughs> well, I think you, you need to click your fingers, don't you, for this bit? That's quite a long clip. I'm not going to put the whole clip in. Okay. Like three so, this guy, he is a Bitcoiner. Um, I saw him. I don't think he's as heavily in as other people mentioned on this pod, but he's certainly a Bitcoiner and he's definitely an Austrian um, economist. So, really good clip to watch and he discusses the um, theory that companies cause inflation by rising prices um and i think he had three main points if i remember correctly yeah. lockdowns cause too much cash chasing too few goods so there's less production obviously lots of printing going on at the time and then the um one of the governments claimed that markups caused over half inflation. So they're saying that you're marking up your, your product by X amount. So they said, well, that's actually accounted for 3% um, of the total inflation is 6%. And then he talks about as well, fear for the future. So companies are charging more because it's a completely unknown time because we're about to go into heavy recession and we keep on printing more money to postpone it and ultimately make it worse so it's kind of like i think he ends it with talking about when and well it's when we fall off the cliff for this so explaining why the inflation happens and it's it's really good and it ultimately goes back to i think what austrian economics talks about is government intervention always makes things worse so you had lockdown why do we lock down we didn't truly know what was going down well i don't know how to best explain this because we then go down a big um rabbit hole but ultimately we locked down on something which didn't require lockdown we printed lots of money and let people ultimately a bit of a test for ubi people didn't work they got paid for doing nothing and they just bought shit on amazon all day because they had nothing to do and were probably bored um and we halted production it caused problems with chip shortages it caused problems with things like cars any kind of mechanical machinery um, and then because of printing money, it kind of had the knock-on effect for things like energy as well. So it's a massive fuck-up. But kind of bring this all back in, a friend sent me a tweet by the IMF blaming greedy um, corporations for inflation today. Um, and it was this graph which had costs, profit, etc. And as I pointed out to him, that's nice. They're making record profits because money's worth less. So mm. if a company's every company's aim is to make 20% profit. So if your raw materials have gone up tenfold, you're still going to make 20%. Therefore, your monetary amount is going to be record-breaking every year. You might not have a percentage record every year, but every year, as long as you're keeping up with the market, you're going to have that record monetary amount because money is worth less. And then I think he got the concept that actually, and I said, the IMF, the World Bank, the America, the warmongers, the IMF, who enslave um, nations, they are just putting it on companies rather than just saying, yeah, we did this. Yeah, and I definitely look into which company did they pick to give those types of stats. I'm sure they cherry picked because as we know, there's plenty of companies that aren't 
registering record profits. So why did they pick the ones they picked just to demonstrate? And I would guess they cherry picked. But yeah, Oil. this guy. But but Peter Saint Ange, right? Let's go on on to this back to this guy. It's it's a it's a little three minute video. We'll link to it. It's a, it's a, it is a great video, and in that three minutes, you, you pretty much just completely debunks the IMF, the the Fed of America, their whole argument that is the reason for inflation is companies raising prices, which we've all heard. You know, he even quotes Elizabeth Warren about that, and he even goes, "Oh, there's um, independent." PhD economists that have actually written papers that say, oh, uh, individual companies have raised prices by three and a half percent. Inflation is 5.8%. So it can be argued that companies have caused the majority of the inflation. And he just goes, only an idiot would believe that because it's you're putting the two things the wrong way around. You you think, oh, prices increased, therefore inflation went after it. It's like, no, no, no. Inflation happened first. The cost of goods went up. So the raw materials, wages, and all that kind of stuff, they had to the whatever you're making, the price that it cost you to make that thing went up by five, six, seven, ten, twenty percent. So clearly you had to buy the the, the raw materials for more. And then you have to pass on that extra cost to the consumer, and, and you and want to make that profit, and you want to make that profit margin as well, pretty much well, for shareholders, because mm, you need well, to keep up with that ten to twenty yeah. percent growth. And if anything, what the chart actually shows that the stats that he he listed there was companies on average three and a half percent increase, but inflation on average is six percent. What that actually shows is companies are not only not price hiking. They're behind inflation. If if companies were price hiking, they would be above the six percent. That actually means, on average, they're two and a half percent down. So, so companies are actually charging less for their goods yeah. because because the thing is because imagine if you are that company, and this is why we see shrink inflation and all that stuff. Companies are so terrified to push their prices too high because we all know, like especially when when inflation is high, like people know the price of their goods. So it's like, oh, that's one fifty, that's two pounds, that's a three pound item. We we all kind of roughly know in the supermarket. So yeah, what they yeah. end up doing is going, well, we want to keep that thing at one pound fifty, but at the moment there's a hundred grams in it. Instead of increasing the price by ten percent, instead we'll decrease how much we put in it by ten percent. So now it stays Correct. at one pound fifty, but instead of a hundred grams, you get ninety, and you just but you put it in the same packet, you just don't put as much in. It's uh, it's it's kind of genius. You have to look at the little the little label and go, oh, it's not 100 grams and it's 90 now. I'm sure it was 100 last week, but so uh, so companies. And it's, it's easy to be fooled by this, and I'll give you um the the example. Um, it's a coffee uh, cafe Alzira, I think it is. Coffee Azira coffee, yeah, perfect. Azira, Nescafe Azira coffee used to be a hundred grams. If you tasted this coffee, you'll know what I mean. It's fantastic. You'll never go back. So smooth. But now it's <laughs> 90 grams. 
every tin is no, 90 grams. 10% shrinkage is actually quite good, considering. Yeah, well, that, well, that feeds into what I was saying, really. It's about that companies, even though they're doing shrinkage, even though they're doing increased prices, they yeah. actually, on a like-for-like -like basis, they're making less money. Because the government yeah. printed so fucking much and stole it for themselves and their little three contractors they gave all the money to, everyone is everyone's worse off, even though the companies yeah. are doing everything they can to kind of help us. They even that's the thing. Like if, if you buy your coffee and you go, oh, this lasts two weeks or whatever, because you've got 10% less, you might make it stretch. Who knows? You know, so they're almost trying to help you budget by giving <laughs> you less. But because they could just charge you more for the same amount but they're just trying to make it feel easier and it's like Look, i have some i have some there. counter arguments to this i think you're being unfair on the government okay because, <laughs> because some newspaper articles for you beyonce blame for stubbornly high swedish yeah. inflation next one um in warsaw um Main causes for inflation, Russian aggression, Ukraine, the pandemic and its consequences, which actually isn't too far because it's not a pandemic, it's a printing. Then the Toronto Star, hide food costs of a new normal as labour shortages and extreme climate events continue to plague the sector. Then we've got in the UK, Brexit is to blame for inflation, claims Mark Carney. Um, what else we've got? It's French, I'm not going to translate that. Oh, Jeremy Hunt. Um, so we've got Jeremy Hunt had a whole thread about why inflation um, was not the government's fault. Then we've got day eight. This is stolen from my favorite person, by the way. Legend of Zelda computer game release blamed for shock inflation spike. Another one. Economists warn a summer of fun could lead to autumn pain. Consumers are splurging and expensive, but fun experiences from nights out to concerts and that may force central banks to keep raising rates. Um, then we got the IMF. Rising corporation, corporate profits are the largest contributor to Europe's inflation over the past two years as companies increase prices more than the spike in costs imported energy. That is a tweet which I got sent. Um, then we got the next one. Another good one. Um, Taylor Swift is causing inflation because she's going on <laughs> tour in Australia. <laughs> so this is off. Right, stop now. Right. <laughs> these, are, these are all stories, right? They're all things that have happened for decades, right? All these random events have happened. But there's well, one thing it, that's happened it, over the last couple of years. It's not true. Been... I'm, it's not true. I'm, I'm just going to put... Dr. Evil 10% was going to... Uh... Complete the entire pod of 102 with stories, <laughs> and you just stopped him midway. There. I had I'd, to. I'd, I'd actually finished many. that. I don't know how many he's got there. This this know. was um, stolen. It's Saifedean. He seems to have gone off um, pissing off. Um, what's his name? Nazim Taleb. He's <laughs> yeah. moved up. He's moved on to inflation story and seems to do a daily one every day. Um. <laughs> It's kind of hilarious, isn't it? Like, yeah, I saw that whole Beyonce one. You know, she launched her new tour. She hasn't toured in five years or something, and she started it in Sweden. And guess what? For the weekend that she was in town, the price of property, travel, everything went up. Yeah, guess what? Because mm. fucking Beyonce is in town. What happens when there's a big event on in your town? Guess what? The price of hotels goes up. 
So like even slightly link that to long-term inflation. No, it's a very short-term supply and demand crunch and the price of things go up because the demand has gone up 10, 20, 30x. So suddenly everyone can charge more. You could literally rent out your spare bedroom for probably a thousand pound a night when yeah. Beyonce's in town because so yeah. people don't have anywhere a, to sleep. I saw a video, but I haven't listened to it. And there's Christina Lagarde. She was claiming that climate change is fueling inflation. That's her latest one. Yeah, well, that one's at least closer to the truth because it's the it's the bollocks government policies that they say are trying to fight climate change, which they print a shit ton of money for. So there, yeah, like indirectly, yeah, because they print money. It's almost like saying like wars and stuff are causes of inflation. Well, yeah, because you start them unnecessarily and you print a shit ton of money to fund it. So indirectly, you're right. It's like, oh, climate change causes inflation. Well, it doesn't on its own because that's just fucking the climate going up and down. It's called the seasons. But when you pretend that summer is melting the ice caps, then and you print an extra trillion to stop the ice caps melting somehow during the summer, then yeah, you're going to set fire to a trillion dollars, aren't you? Because you ain't going to fucking stop the sun shining. So indirectly, she's right, but it's bollocks still. Yeah, of course, because you don't have to print the money. That's the point. They're like, Who pressed the button mm. on the printer? That's the cause. You, yeah. might have, you might have thought you were doing it for a good reason, whether it's a war or whether it's climate change, whether it's a pandemic. But it's once you press the button, the button presser is the one that caused it. It ultimately goes back to three things over the past three years, which is locking people at home, banning them from work, and printing trillions and trillions of dollars in other currencies. And that's what started this, but it's been going on for years. You know, let's not just pretend this is a 2020 thing. It's since 1971. One, but then also yeah. it's happening before when they kept on sliding whatever currency it was off the gold standard, which is, I suppose, looping it back around to Bitcoin, which is why it's important to use something like Bitcoin as a standard, because with gold, you can't trade it internationally. You have to have IOUs between banks. You don't want to carry a gold bar with you and shave off little bits to pay, pay for your carrots. So it's just not feasible. So you end up with a currency, um, which is an IOU over the gold which you hold in the bank. And when it was um, taken away or revalued, it lost its value. Whereas Bitcoin, if you pay for it, it's your only one currency. There's no way which they can take it off because it is what you pay with. It is what you store um, for you, your self-sovereignty and possibly air gap computer. So there's no way of taking over that currency. And that's why it's important and why it's such a big thing to stop inflation. Yeah. These stories do. Uh, but 2% is normal, bro. Like two yeah. percent is what it, we want. It yeah. stimulates the economy. Like, exactly. But 2%. Quantitative easing. Yeah. That's the thing. So I think the only thing I would add to that is purely that it has been happening since nineteen seventy one. But really yeah. they've really lost control of it since twenty twenty. The last three years, if you look at all the money printing charts, they 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 start quite steady. They start to accelerate during the nineties and two thousands. And then the last three years, it goes parabolic. It's just, but, it's nearly a straight line up. But to challenge it, I suppose there's different levels of this. I'd say they lost control in 1971. Oh, yeah. As yeah, in, yeah. you know, but the thing they, is, 
Maybe, maybe. went off the gold standard because they completely lost control because America had stolen the world's gold and were basically printing a shitload of cash and funding their infrastructure using France's gold. Yeah. And that's, if, you know, if you do take them on their word, though, they, they said they were going to do that temporarily. So if you do come off a gold standard and you actually do it legit, right? It's like you know, the UK came off the gold standard in the 1940s to fight the Nazis, right? If we yeah. actually just did it to do that and you actually came off the gold standard and went, we need more money to pay soldiers, to build planes, build bombs, bullets, blah, blah, blah. If you actually did it to fight the war, win it, kind of keep your self-sovereignty as a nation, and afterwards go, we're going back. And so now we are going to have to cut services. You know, We're going to have a decade of essentially paying back or you'd be repegged at a different value, wouldn't you? Yeah, and you'd have to get back. So you'd have to go right. Mm. We are. We have a. You know, we have a hundred percent gold, but we have a hundred ten percent of the fiat. We need to get rid of this. So we're going to have to burn a shit ton of money and not spend it somewhere. And it's it's going to be tough to get back to that one to one peg. Yeah, we're but, currently on a but, one point one peg. But the problem That's the is, ideal scenario, but I think realistically, if it was oh, yeah. going to be the repegging, it'd be oh yeah, we were ten before one war, we're now twenty. You know, oh, yeah, I know that that and that's what happened, right? So it, and it got out of control. But you you could do it. There's an argument to say if you're not a greedy fuck and you come off a standard, you can go back to it, provided you're willing to suffer the pain. But no politician is willing to 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 admit. To the people, we're going to have a decade of pain. Every single politician that gets elected go, we're having a decade of sunshine and unicorns and roses. And you go, at some point, someone needs to be honest and go, we need to have a period of of cutbacks. And no one admits yeah. that. It's always growth, growth, growth. Everything's sunnier. Everything's going to be bigger, better, bolder. And you go, well, you just it's a one one lane track to hyperinflation by doing that. I've thought about this, and the country that springs to mind is Japan, because they've had 30 years of austerity in coming back after hyperinflation. And so, therefore, that should be the picture model which countries are looking at to say, look, if we don't do this, we're going to hyperinflate, and then it could take 30 years, if not longer, to get back to where we want to. We don't have to go through that. I just think some countries, it's just it's just beyond it. You know, like yeah. USA, literally, they came off a fiat standard. I just don't understand how they would get back because it's so wrapped around manipulation. Like, literally, the US did it. It mm. would unfold everyone else's currency. Oh, yeah. um, well, once you've been like off off it for 50 years and you're so far away literally the, the gold shows the gold supplies have no bearing whatsoever on the fiat yeah it, you're right it's impossible to go back now you you could come off it for a couple of years fight a war and try and get back and that would be hard but i also think but... it stops silly fucking wars you know like the hitler one you could say it should have happened because it needs to protect against hitler but if you didn't have fear, Hitler never could have happened. Yeah. You know, he couldn't have raised um, money out of thin air. And the same applies to pretty much every country which has gone into silly wars, Vietnam being another one. 
they couldn't afford it. Afghanistan, Iraq. Yeah, ironically, um, Hitler was trying to stop um, inflation and going on to a German standard, and uh, they didn't like that. They wanted a, they wanted inflation, so they went and started a war with him. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of an aside. That, that's a longer pod, that one. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's a definite longer part so, there. Should we move on to the next one about Italy? Yeah, yeah. so um, Italy are launching their own CBDC project. Surprise, surprise, as many other countries are. And again, I can just see this. CBDCs across various different countries being a waste of money and another route to hyperinflation because they'll spend so much money on their own unique project which will ultimately fail and therefore be replaced by something else but doesn't matter we'll still crack on with it anyway and when they do and then it fails then they'll come to their realization but this is what's going well, on right is it, now is it a failure they can benefit from it because ultimately Ooh. you've got you've got it succeeds they um, enslave their nation Su- success it fails they pilfer the money and siphon the money out of the com- country and embell it and fill up their bank accounts. Where's I mean, the failure? Every every government project is a win when you're the on the other side of the supplier getting paid, regardless yeah. of whether the project gets delivered. But yeah, but as a success, as a you know, is this ever going to become a thing? It's unlikely. But or or a long term thing. It's going to be a a short project, a trial of some sort, and the the masses will have to, you know, fall in line and do as they're told, and they'll yeah. Yeah, that's if they ever launch it, right? Because if if they ever launch it, the good thing about these these governments is they actually doing tech projects that's completely incompetent and it really does show that a lot of the governments around the world they're complete puppets that they, they can't do anything mm. they literally just unless they're following the orders from the WEF or the IMF that's when stuff gets real you know when like those lockdowns. yeah when that when those guys send out the commands and give them the PDFs and the the bullet point lists of what to do Oh shit! They they follow them suddenly, but give them any free will into doing whatever they need to do to run their countries, and they're completely all over the place. And these CBDCs, I, I genuinely think that the, the IMF and the WEF, I think they step away from these and just go, yeah, yeah, yeah do this thing, and they'll just let them. You know, I've said this before. They'll let each country individually do it. They'll fail, and you go, you know what? We should all join forces. WEF coin, we have. The CBD. So have, have a picture of um Carl Schwab on it. Then on the <laughs> flip side, it's him on the beach in the bra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that's what because the thing is like the the, this, the real power of a CBDC. I guess you, they could do it. They they could have loads of them, but I, I make don't it really simple. They just want one. They they want one. But I think the complication is just how they sort out the siphoning off money if you're going to have it for every country across the world unless you end up having three kind of like 1984 we have um eurasia russia 
an Americas. So you start oh. to like Oh yeah, when I when I yeah, when I say one, I guess I'm ignoring China and Russia. It's just the West. The the West will have a single C B D C. Yeah. But it's how, you know, like individual governments because they're not gonna agree to it if they can't siphon money out of it, are they? Oh no. Mm. Well, they will because they're puppet governments that jumped the tune of the IMF and um the West. So and of course, of course, very, very comprehensive compensation packages will be rewarded for anyone that rolls this out and is in control of it administering and enforcing Ooh. the use of we've co- had a cu- we've had a couple of countries things, right? we- like we've said like this does not get us away from the money printer right so you can have a cbdc a single one but it's like oh but this is france version of it and of course there's some nice cbdc coins that end up in your wallet click your phone open and oh there there baby it's even easier. Yeah, it's I, just further government dependence, and then I think I think the only way which I look at this is it's basically automatic price controls to hide the inflation. I think that's literally the only reason why this is such a keen one. Then also, yeah. but um, also it's tax. the it's also uh, asset stealing as well because no doubt it will be handing over of something not only freedom rights and liberties but no potential uh fear and then obviously replacing it with this new shiny irreplaceable coupon digital coupon which is a cbdc yeah the the, the funny thing is like the the general feeling in the market now is that crypto is dead Right. Uh, it, it was a, a failed kind of experiment. It's just lots of pumps and dumps. NFTs, dead. Uh, we have the the crypto that is still alive slightly. It's probably security. So the SEC are trying to kill it. But then every government around the world is trying to use the fundamental technology that crypto uses to build, to literally underpin their entire currency. Mm-hmm. You go, at, at what point do you just go, because clearly we all knew this was marketing, right? When they say, are oh, they using a CBDC? It's it's on the blockchain. Yeah, they're just saying there's a hundred banks here that can use a shared ledger to do payment reconciliations. When they say the word ledger, they mean a database, right? That's what a ledger is. What do you think they use now to reconcile? But they, but they, but they can helicopter people money. <laughs> well, the thing payments, is, like, payments they can do quicker. that now as well, right? It, they, they, yeah. Nothing yeah. has changed. But nothing they can, has changed. But, but, database but, before, but, they're going to use the database but, but, now. <laughs> but they can move money quicker. <laughs> but no, yeah, they can like, surveil. How, how can long does it take? Are, 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 you, are you telling me that Dishy Rishi lied to me? <laughs> like how long has money been digital for and like, yeah, exactly. how long have they used the database and um, oh like, i know they know. they do they do do like literally like batch fucking processing overnight which is a little bit fucking nuts that that's what they do but this is more around that wherever you spend that money you will be able. They will be able to trace where that money is gone. It's so they can maximize. They can maximize tax. They can then look at areas to increase tax. 
they can take assets where they deem they won't be missed. So basically, it's just a massive steal. Yeah. It's like a it's, giant Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it's it's just funny, right? Like I like Finextra. I used to actually read this back in the day. I used to try and get the company I work for on here, and I managed to get it on there a few times. I got interviewed by these guys, and occasionally I'd get a little freaking snippet or quote on there. This whole article, it's only freaking about five paragraphs long, and they're literally saying that these banks that are going to move from a database to another database. That's the article. Go, But the problem is the second database in their world is called a ledger, at least they haven't got the word block, and they have got blockchain in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on the blockchain, and you and you literally just go, want to knock their heads together, and go, is the is, is this blockchain decentralized? Is there any mining? Is anyone running a blockchain or a ledger for these banks outside of the one bank that's running it? If the answer is no to all those questions, the fucking database, an Excel spreadsheet, what they use now. They're moving to a different version of a database, but they're calling it a blockchain ledger. Nothing has changed other than, like you said, potentially all the surveillance type stuff on top. But the article, but th this passes, like these people, I used to think they were smart. They're pretty good journalists. <laughs> and I just go, what has happened? How, by putting the word blockchain in ledger, and going, that's what we're moving to. Like, if a bank was changing from one database to another, everyone would be like, I'm fucking what? Who gives a shit? No one cares. But if you say it's, it's just... on the blockchain, it gets an, it gets a load of fucking press. If you say this about these journalists, you probably used to think back in the day that Times and Economist and mm. Telegraph and I and so on, the journalists were quite good. Yeah. And then kind of like Bitcoin pulled back the curtain and exposed everything and made you question everything yeah i guess so so we've always been shit nothing's happened hmm let's, let's go on to our last story of the week I, I fucking love this tweet i obviously this this would be a typical shitcoin corner we don't do it anymore instead this is just fucking let's dance on the graves of nfts that's <laughs> what i call it in this corner <laughs> <laughs> so um i mean it's uh... It's a fairly long read, isn't it? So, um, yes. yeah, I don't know how you want to summarise this. Okay, right. It's it's from a guy, That's right? A he's 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 an idiot. Like he's a he's a shitcoin NFT moron, right? But the the first couple of sentences, I think, I just want to sum this up. This is fucking beautiful, right? He's so upset. He's so upset at the community. He's so upset that NFTs have fucking gone to zero, right? This is how he starts the tweet. You assholes ruined NFTs. Yes, you, you dumb motherfuckers. You sit on your phones trying to guess which animal picture is going to go up instead of just shopping around for a couple, like a couple you like and holding on to them like a normal fucking person. You try trading and profiting. That's called gambling. You're just gambling on pictures of a value that's pegged to a completely arbitrary floor price that is set by any one of 10,000 bozos. Do you not realize how fucking asinine that is? This is all so goddamn stupid. You're just degenerate gamblers enabling each other. You've all been rogued countless times, yet you're still fucking here, even talking to the same fucking people. It's truly insane. He goes on a lot. But fundamentally, he's just going, 
Right at the end, slowly but surely, all the floor prices will go to their true valuation. Hint, it's zero. And what mm-hmm. will you do then? You have a nice community of people with nothing to do 24-7 and varying disposable incomes. If you just spend half the energy and capital into charity as you do these bullshit projects, fancy word for scams, you and the world would be a much better place. Cheers. And uh, I, I gave him a little reply. I just went, the funny thing was, the funniest thing about this is you thought NFTs had value in the first place. But this is just complete capitulation, right? This is the... The, 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 the sad thing about this guy is he actually thought there was some type of game theory. There was some type of way through NFTs that didn't end up where we ended up. Anyone well, with a brain what, could see. What is he, what is he an F head and uh, an FT? Yeah, he's massive into his ETH and a load of bollocks. He's obviously got an NFT picture. But he genuinely thought that so, if all we so did... these digital images that have a value... <laughs> And the fact that I could always right-click and save it and use it myself. He's saying that it's, it's gone to zero. We, and we were right the entire All time. Along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, because but, but we Nike always NFTs. And, and, yeah, we, and football clubs are releasing NFTs. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> will always say, we were always open to anybody messaging us directly if you know us or obviously leaving a comment on any of these streams tell us why or where we're going wrong with nfts well my friends told me that they're art and i didn't understand them yeah i ripped him i ripped him and then i got no response on it (laughs) um for this one he does speak a lot of truth though but it's like it's like his little perspective is right. And he starts off, well, in the middle, time for the hardest truth. Not sure you're ready for this. Web three. Are you fucking kidding me with this shit? You're on fucking Twitter. This is web two, dumbass. You spend zero time in the metaverse and all your time on Twitter. You're not on web three. You own a JPEG and a shit coin. That doesn't mean you're part of web three. That's like the janitor of Yankee Stadium saying he plays baseball. <laughs> so yeah. how, how, is his interpretation of an NFT different from what he's criticizing people of? Because he doesn't live in the metaverse. And if you go through his tweets, it's literally just pictures of NFT cats and dogs. Like, I think he's promoting his own shit coin or, well, shit NFTs with his mates or something. Yeah, I think... It's a very weird post, I think, that he's posted here because, yeah, I think he is still balls deep in this space. And I think he's so balls deep, he can't get out. But I think he completely acknowledges that these things are going to zero. Mm. I think he acknowledges that they're shit. But yeah, like I said, he's so stuck in there. But like that little quote which I gave Ben, it's just him saying it's a pile of crap. But yeah. And that, I don't understand how your angle's any different from what he just said without <laughs> it being crap. Yeah, I, I remember discussing it, and I remember your, one of your um, questions to Neverluck was, uh, how do we know we're not missing something? You know, with, yeah, yeah, with NFTs always. And, web, and with Web 3.0. And yeah. I think pretty much my answer back then was just, it needs to show me something. 
Like I've spent, yeah. I've spent a couple of hours looking at NFTs and looking at Web 3.0. I can't see anything as substance other than hype and bollocks and people just saying it's going to take over everything. When I dig in, there's nothing there. There's just some mm. JPEGs and some really shitty VR that looks like a really shit version of Second Life. And that came out in 2004. So I go, I'm not seeing it. Like maybe I am a boomer. That's I, I think I even said that yeah, yeah. years ago as well. When maybe I'm a boomer. Maybe I just can't see it. But I'm a trust, don't trust verify guy. And when I do the verification on NFTs and Web 3.0, it looks like you know the emperor has no clothes. It's all yeah. just, you look beautiful, sir. You are majestic. And you go... Am I the only one that can see start bollock naked? Like, I, I can't sit. Everyone else around me is going, he looks, I love his new suit and his new gown. And I'm looking at him. I can see his fucking dick. What is going on? And until someone tells me that that's a gown, <laughs> then I ain't believing there's any gown there. And, <laughs> and true enough, slow but surely, everyone was like, yeah, we saw his dick as well. We just thought, like... We just thought we'd go along with it. And, uh, he's right. He's right. It's just, it's just a big scam, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. So I know the listeners of, you know, this pod, I only tune in for the hour and a half, two hours that we broadcast. But we are knee deep in everything Bitcoin. But that's not to say that we're not adverse to listening to anything else. And in all the time that we've been doing this, and this is nearly, you know, we think about our group that we created nearly 10 years deep. We have still not found any use case for NFTs, <laughs> any use case for initial coin offerings, oh. and any use case for Web 3.0. I think NFTs are good for like receipts. Oh, fuck off. You still, you always say this. Yeah, but it doesn't That's mean we're called a receipt. We've already got them. It's called yeah, a receipt. I was, getting, I was saying it's like a digital version. It doesn't mean it's got any value. I've got digital versions of a receipt. Yeah, but I was saying it doesn't have any value. It's literally just a not an NFT, then, is it? It's a it's a picture that has a receipt on it. Yeah, but yeah. your literal value is actually. Why a do you need to stamp that on a blockchain? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. It's just an ownership thing. That's that she. I want to own my receipt. Yay. <laughs> but generally, it's a I think use case, that's it? what I mean. It's a weak use case. Don't think that yeah. I'm saying it's got any great value. And in initial, it's a, weak, it's, it's a use case, but it's a weak one. But it's a use case. You're right. And you kind of think about all the kind of like various things in terms of initial coin offerings. They're not coins. They're just technology most of the time. And the technology is something which you put in a layer on top of Bitcoin. You wouldn't use it as an actual currency, would you? Yeah, and that's. And I think that's what thing, people struggle it? to understand. Yeah, when you use the word coin and you therefore immediately associate it with some sort of monetary value or, um, you know, something that is going to be associated with number goes up and it's not. Yeah, and and then also you have infinite supply, right? You just listed the evolution NFTs. We also got AI that could just auto-generate any type of image you wanted. You just put cat and glasses 4,000 versions and it would just spit them out instantly. You didn't even have to have an artist design the things. It was just so the market got flooded. Like, no one knows. So, like, 
all these things got generated for next to nothing. And literally the only real value I see with an NFT is a one of one that would be from a legit artist. You know, if you have the you know, the Leonardo's and the um what Monet's and all that, if like whatever the modern versions are of those, right? I don't know if you can know who those, who those guys are now. Yeah, Damien Earth, something like that, right? Let's say uh, he stick went... dicks. What? Stick dicks. Stick dicks. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not them. But let's, let's say like Damien Hurst that, or like, um, was it Banksy went, yeah, yeah, so I've done this thing and then I know that he put one of one image of that on the blockchain. I can see some people wanting to own that. I can. it's Because it is an art but, thing. But it's so but easy it's, to copy, but yeah, yeah like of course it is. Everyone knows you can right click, copy, and da da da. But in some weird like world, as a flex, I can go, yeah, yeah. But Banksy put one digital copy of his art on here, and I own that now. That has a little bit of value. I understand that, but that none of that happened. It was all just a load of bollocks. It's just JPEGs, JPEGs, JPEGs. People are trading. Them up Do you remember down. the Pepe the Frog one? Uh, it was meant to be a limited edition, I think, but it was one. And someone bought it for hundreds of thousands, and literally two months later, they printed 600 of them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's always the thing, yeah. Because unless you've got... Oh, that's that's another thing point. about having a Banksy or Damien Hirst, right? He, they're so rich and stuff, or who knows how rich Banksy is, but Damien Hirst, uber rich, and also has a reputation. So if I was to buy an NFT, which I never would do, just for any sake of argument, um, Let's say he did put a, a single JPEG of one of his artworks um, as an NFT. Someone buys it. It's very unlikely at any point that someone print another 600 because that ruins mm. Damien Hurst's reputation. He's like, oh, that's the guy that scams. You know, suddenly the price of his art now goes from 10 million a piece to zero because it's like at any point you can just mass produce that shit, you know, because he's done it once, you might do it again. He knows scarcity has value, and that's why he probably only did a couple of pieces a year. But the DGENs that are sat on Twitter, of course, once they've sold their 100 JPEGs for their yeah. 2 milli, of course they're going to create another 100 and another 100 and then a 1,000, and then they're just going to keep milking it until it's dead. Of course they are, because they're DGENs that have no reputation, no opportunity cost. They just start a new Twitter account and do it again. They, they don't yeah. have an, a real-life name. So, God, of, of course, of course. But um, so, what you're saying is, you might we're gonna end, the kind of like message for this pod is you you might buy an NFT. <laughs> no, I think. That's, <laughs> yeah, I think the takeaway message is, I think, um, and you nearly said it before, which was we've been on here for years and we've looked at Web 3.0, we've looked at shit coins, we look at NFTs, and we can't see a genuine use case for any of them. Yet every week we come on in to discuss Bitcoin. And there's numerous new use cases every yeah. single fucking week. Also, as well, I will say that's why we're here. Yeah, um, from the Bitcoin white paper, it's only eight pages. And if anyone does care to share, to sorry, care to just simply read it, you get it straight away. It like it, you know, it's a problem that was unsolvable before. And then Satoshi solves it, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Simple as that. 
at this point, I'm still unaware of to how any of these things make any sense. And so on that note, I'll bring the pod to a close. And I'll say that this has been 102 brought to you by the four Bs, Mr. Rawlin, a.k.a. the Trillion Dollar Man, Dr. Evil 10%, a.k.a. the People's Champ, myself, so never look, a.k.a. the Excellence of Execution. And she was here, but she's never here. Still, even at 102, Mrs. No Show, still a no show. But we're going to include her to improve our ESG score. <laughs> Peace.